Gosh, welcome to December, huh? It's, it's snowing outside, and it, it is December, like Katie said. Earlier in this year, I had somebody say that, uh, that, that something to the effect of Christmas is, is this time of year when we just kind of put our heads down and we sort of march through the time. Like there are these events, people are having parties, and there's programs that maybe your kids or other people's kids that you know are, are attending, and there's volunteering, um, there's good things that you can be involved in. There's decorations maybe that you're doing at home. We put up our decorations this past weekend. We put up our tree this year, and uh, we just let the kids decorate it. We just said, have at it. And so we have decorations from here to here on our tree at home. It's decorations to be doing. And there's shopping to do. There's money to be spent. Sometimes maybe you get to January and you're like, whoa. You just sort of open up and let it go. And, uh, and whatever it takes to just get through and... and uh, there's a lot that happens at the end of the year. We just sort of dig in and march through. It's like this parade that we're on that we just, uh, just join in with. How many of you are starting to feel like this? Anybody else feeling like this? Like you're just sort of in this, this moving thing that's happening sometimes, and you just get in and, and move with it. So we are starting this new series, three weeks leading up to uh, Christmas. It's based on the passage, like Katie said, in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew had written about these magi who brought th uh, three gifts who came to Jesus. They came after he was born, showed up a little bit late, but they brought these three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they, they, they worshiped Jesus when they arrived there. One writer said that if it was women who would have came, they would have showed up on time, they would have brought some useful gifts, and they started, would have probably started making food for the family. So the gifts that the Magi brought, they may or may not have been very useful, but they were deeply meaningful. They were deeply meaningful and deeply symbolic. Gold was a symbol of the fact that Jesus was and is a king. Frankincense is symbolic of the fact that Jesus was and is a great high priest. And myrrh, whatever that is, is symbolic of the fact that Jesus was and is a prophet for God. The Magi somehow saw these things in Jesus, king, prophet, priest. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to try to see what the Magi saw by unpacking each one of these gifts and talking about what they mean. And so today we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. If you brought a Bible or if you have your phone and you like to follow along, you can turn to Mark chapter 10. We'll be there. Um, also, the, uh, the, the verses will be on the screen. So you can follow along there as well. I'm going to start reading. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And it says this, it says, Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We're going to stop there. So at this point in Mark's writing, Jesus had this large crowd following him. And he was leading them on the way to Jerusalem. And Jericho was the last stop along the way. It was like the last town. And so right as they were leaving Jericho, there was this blind man. this big crowd. There's a blind man sitting on the side of the road. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What's interesting about this whole story, and this is the reason that I wanted to, to tr teach from this passage today, is this. Mark doesn't start out his gospel, his, his, his writing about Jesus. He doesn't start out his writing about Jesus with a traditional Christmas scene where Jesus is a baby. Actually, when Mark starts writing, Jesus is a full-grown man. 
And Mark doesn't have a genealogy like Matthew and Luke do. He doesn't start out saying, well, so-and-so was a father, and so-and-so was a father, and so-and-so was a father, all the way down to Jesus. He doesn't start out that way. And so there's really, in Mark, if you're just reading Mark alone, there's really not much of anything for a family history of Jesus. He just sort of shows up on the scene. And so here is Bartimaeus with the first mention in the whole book of Mark of Jesus being the son of David. God had promised long ago, David was a great king, an ancient great king. God had promised long ago that Israel would always have a king in the line of David. But when Jesus was alive, Israel was actually ruled by the Roman Empire. And so the Israelites, they kept waiting for God to send this king and to make good on his promise. And this crowd here, they were walking with Jesus and they thought they had found the king because in the next chapter, if you, if you flip it over and you go to the next chapter, chapter 11, the people are walking into Jerusalem. They actually arrive and they say, here is our king, here is our king. So they had an idea that Jesus was their king. But what Mark is trying to show us here, I think what Mark is trying to show us is that even though the crowd had the right idea about Jesus, somehow this blind man had seen something in Jesus that nobody else saw before this time. They looked at Jesus and saw a king, and they were right. But the blind man, whose eyes didn't work, he referenced all the way back to God's promise being fulfilled. And those weren't necessarily the same thing. And you say, well, why does all of this matter? In the ancient world, a king was responsible for two things. A king was responsible for two things in the ancient world. You have to understand this in order to understand Jesus as a king. First, a king was responsible to lead his people and save them. A king was responsible to lead his people and to save them. And second, a king is supposed to administer justice. Now, today, when we think about administer justice, often we think about like getting the bad people for what they've done. But back then, justice was so much more comprehensive than that. Justice was, was, was about making things right in the nation so that everybody in the nation could, could thrive. And so the people were waiting for a king, as God had promised in the line of David, who was going to save them and make things right so they could thrive. Now at the time that Jesus came, the king, the obvious thing, would have saved them from the Roman Empire. That was the obvious threat and the thing keeping them from thriving. And this would have been a big event for a king to come in and, and overthrow the Roman Empire and somehow save them from the Roman Empire. That's what they were expecting. But, and here's the spoiler alert, if you haven't read this before, that didn't happen with Jesus, at least not the way they expected. Picture this. Picture people reading Mark. Mark was written maybe 30 years after Jesus um, marched into Jerusalem. Mark was written 30 years later. Picture people reading Mark for the first time 30 years later, and they're wondering, okay, if this Jesus guy was actually king, if he was the promised king, then why is Rome still in power? Where is the saving that this king did? Where is the thriving that we're supposed to be doing? Where is the justice? And some of us maybe today have similar questions along those lines. Like if Jesus was the king and he brought his kingdom, then why is the world still broken? Why are there millions of people around the world who don't seem to be thriving? I know that I have days I don't feel like I'm thriving. Sometimes I feel like I'm trapped or lost or, or blind. I'm not seeing things. Sometimes I feel like I'm at the end of the line like Bartimaeus was, waiting on God. And this is actually the, the traditional meaning behind the season of Advent, this time before Christmas and what it's all about. 
It can be the most wonderful time of the year, like, like the song says. But honestly, it can also be a difficult time. Advent is about seeing God's faithfulness, even seeing his faithfulness through the darkness. Advent is about trusting that the king has come and the kingdom is here, but it's also a season to recognize that the kingdom is not yet complete. Yet. One writer says it like this, and I like this quote. He says, the kingdom has dawned. Jesus brought the kingdom. The kingdom has dawned. But the former administration won't leave the building. (laughs) And there's the tension that we feel. We look around and we see all kinds of beauty in people, in God's great creation. We see all kinds of beauty, especially during Christmas time. It's crazy. It's fun. But then there's also pain and worry and fear and sadness and regret. We are living in this moment of in-between. We're between two administrations. The Apostle Paul calls them the domain of darkness. When he's writing to the Colossians, he said there's the domain of darkness and there's the kingdom of God. And we're in between these things. We're also between two epic events. The first time when Jesus came and he brought the kingdom and he did bring the kingdom And when he saves people, he saves us from our sins through forgiveness. That is his saving work that he's done. And he's writing his justice, his law on our hearts. This is how he's bringing his justice. So we're in between the first time when he came and then the second time when Jesus will return to finish what he started. We are in this time between and there is tension. And maybe you're feeling some of that tension now. Advent is a time to recognize this. It's also a time to say, you know what, if you're feeling it, you're not alone. We're all in this. And yet there is hope. And yet there is hope. So let's keep reading, and we'll see what happens with Jesus and Bartimaeus. So Bartimaeus had been calling out, and it says this, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet. And he came to Jesus. The first thing I want to commend is this man's persistence. One writer said that we live in this tension, but we don't have to live in the tension quietly. He said it's, it's brave and it's faithful to cry out to God and said, God, this isn't right. I'm not right. Have mercy on me. And so here's what I want to spend a little bit of time talking about. Did you notice how Jesus stopped this whole parade thing just for this one man? I mean, who knows how many people were with him that day? Dozens? Hundreds, thousands, all, everybody's marching into Jerusalem with him. He says he's got the large crowd that's going with him. And everybody's going. And he stops the whole thing for Bartimaeus. And it's a touching moment right here. My wife Rachel and I, we lived and worked at this retreat center called the Downing House. We hosted leaders from all over the place. And every year we hosted this retreat for these same eight to ten guys. They always came the same time every year. 
excuse me, and the first time after they came, uh, they had a weekend retreat, they met one final time on Monday morning, and uh, I was going to drive them back um, to their private jet, they had a private jet sitting at the airport, and I was going to load them all up in a van and, and drive them back, and they were going to fly back to Washington, D.C., which is where many of them were from. One of his name was, one of the guy's names, his name was Doug Coe. Um, Doug, at the time, was the number four guy on Time Magazine's, like, 25 most influential Christians in America, so he's, he's got a lot going on, Doug does. And so, you know, we're getting to ready, we're getting ready to go, they just ate breakfast, and I'm sort of standing there kind of helping people carry their bags and whatnot, getting them out the door into the van, and then Doug stopped me, and he said, can I pray for you? And then right then, one of the other guys, and I think it was the one who owned the jet, I can, I can just remember it very vividly, he, he walked in, he opened up the door, and he turned and looked, and he said to everybody, okay, the jet is ready, we need to get going. And that's when Doug looked back at him and said, not yet, because we're going to pray for this young man right here. And I looked at the guy who just walked in the door, and he looked at me, and we made eye contact, and we both knew, like, Doug has spoken. <laughs> Doug, Doug put the whole parade on hold. The, the staff that was waiting back at the, at the jet, the people who were all going to go back to the jet and fly back, he put everybody's time on hold so that he could pray for the chauffeur. The scene that's happening here in Mark, it's a beautiful picture of what the king, what King Jesus is like. Sometimes I think we wonder, why are we in this time of tension? Why hasn't Jesus brought the fullness of the kingdom yet? And I wonder sometimes if he's, if he stopped the parade so he can be calling out to those people alongside the road. And waiting for them to join in. Calling out to them. Christmas is a season it can get kind of busy and hectic. And sometimes it feels like we are part of this big parade, going like marching towards the holidays. Like I say, welcome to December. And whether we're having a great time, we're enjoying it, or some of us maybe are just kind of pushing to get through, we want to keep the parade moving. But what if we lived like Jesus? What would it look like for you to stop that march this season and actually meet with those who are standing off to the side? I want to share sort of a fun, sort of a related true story, fun little story. I have a friend a few years ago at Christmas time. She was walking outside of Lowe's, and there on the ground was an envelope. And it was kind of just sitting there uh, and, uh, and picked it up just to see what it was, and it was full of cash. <laughs> um, and it had a, the, the name of the bank was written on it, and inside there was a little slip of paper, and it had a bunch of numbers. But it was an envelope full of cash. Did I say that? So she really quickly kind of went through a couple options in her head, like, well, I could leave it here and then maybe trust that it's next to the car of the person who owns it, and they're going to find it, or maybe somebody else will find it and deal with it, because i gotta, I got to go. The other thing I could do is take it with me. Who couldn't use some extra cash at Christmas? But then she stopped her march, and she started thinking about the people who, like, who owned the envelope. She said, okay. So she took the envelope, she went into Lowe's, and she went to their help desk and said, yeah, I'm not really sure what we can do. So they, they took those numbers, and they actually called the name of the bank on the envelope, and the bank gave them a name. And so then they're like, well, we have a name. So then they, they, they got on the loudspeaker at Lowe's, and they said, okay, if you're here, come to the front desk. And then they just wait. 
And so my friend was like, well, I'm going to, I think I need to go. And they said, well, you know, if, if this person doesn't come, we'll actually drive this to the bank and, and we'll let them take care of it and get in touch with the people. And so on the way out the door, she started to leave. On her way out the door, she looked back and she saw this couple emerge from the aisles and they're all looking confused. They're like, what, what, what did we get called up front? And then when they got the envelope full of cash, they were really confused, but sort of happy, like, oh my gosh, it was this crazy thing. She walked out and she never saw them again. Maybe this Christmas you're going to have an opportunity to stop your parade and bless someone in some sort of weird and fun and happy way. Spend some time with someone unexpected. Write a, write a note. Call somebody out of the blue. Write just a little personal note and send somebody a card maybe. Maybe you can give a gift or volunteer at some place. Maybe you can um, take somebody out for ice cream or maybe coffee. Maybe one thing that you could do this Christmas season is just to be patient. Because maybe up ahead of you, Jesus has stopped the parade for somebody else. And maybe right now, he just needs your patience. Let's keep reading. And we'll see what happens as Jesus stopped during this whole parade and goes over to Bartimaeus. It says this. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now there are two things here that I think are good to notice. The first thing is, I, I really love this question from Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Again, it shows the kind of king that Jesus is. He gets close to his people. There's no assumption here. He invites Bartimaeus to speak for himself. The question is also a probing question. It gets at the heart of what we're thinking about and what we're desiring. Bartimaeus simply wanted his vision back, and that may have seemed obvious to some of us, but Jesus gave him the opportunity to speak for himself and look into his own heart. It's interesting that not long before this, two of Jesus' disciples, they came with a request. They said, Jesus, we have a request. And Jesus asked the exact same question that he asked Bartimaeus. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And these disciples, they said, we want places of honor with you, Jesus. We want honor. And that's a very different type of request. It's a window into our hearts. If Jesus came today and he asked you, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? The second thing that I notice is Jesus' reply to Bartimaeus. Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Another way to translate that same phrase from the Greek is to say, your trust has saved you. Your trust has saved you. And this brings us back to where we started, that the king has come to save his people and to make things right so they could thrive, which is exactly what Jesus did for Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus put his trust in Jesus as king. And by following Jesus, which is what he does, he follows Jesus after this, he made the kingdom a priority in his life. It is December, 
And as we close in on the end of the year, I just want to ask this one question. How might you make the kingdom a priority in your life this, this Christmas and maybe this next year? How might you make the kingdom of God a priority in your life, maybe this Christmas or this next year? Rachel and I have actually been talking a lot about priorities lately. Um, this next year is going to be really busy for us. I'm taking a couple classes, a few classes actually. I have to travel some, and that puts some extra, extra burden on our family and our schedules. And so we're, we're actually starting to schedule now and plan now, and, and we're saying, what's priority? Okay, so what's priority? What are we going to be able to do, and what are we going to be able to prioritize? And one of the ways that we're setting priorities, and this is uh, just kind of a fun, unexpected way. So this past year, we kept a memory jar. And on this memory jar, I think we have a picture of this. On the memory jar, we set this out um, in, a, in a prominent place in our house. On the memory jar, it says, something special, something fun, something hard, a job well done. Hinkle Family Notes 2018. And so at the end of 2018, we're going to sit down. We've got a few more weeks of this left. At the end of 2018, we're going to sit down and read these as a family. We're going to pull them out one by one. We've been, we've been keeping this all year. Pull them out one by one. And as we look, we want to use this to, to, to be encouragement to prioritize the right things. Because sometimes the thing that seemed important at the time, they actually weren't that important. And sometimes the theme, things that didn't seem important at the time were actually pretty important for the year. We're going to see what we can learn about our past year and the things we remembered. Where did we see God working? And how can we join in this kingdom that he has? I just heard another recent story, very recent, of someone in our church who sort of got involved in, in prison ministry, sort of unexpected. It sounds like it wasn't totally planned. It wasn't something set out and prioritized. It's something that just came to her. It's something that God brought into her life. And as she's getting involved with this, she's seeing the tension because there's these voices of people who have serious concerns because we're in this time between, you know, this, this world is not perfect, but so there's voices of concerns and safety. What about your safety doing this ministry like this? But then on the other side is this Holy Spirit nudging that she's been feeling to say, gosh, maybe this could be it. Maybe this could be how God is working in your life. At the same time, we see, we see a young man who's made some bad choices, but wants to get to know God, wants to get his life on the right track. And you see, is this could be something that God is doing. But in this whole situation, we can see the tension, but God could bring something beautiful out of that tension. What are some ways that you might prioritize God's kingdom in your life as this woman is trying to prioritize God's kingdom in hers? I want to I close with this. Um, first of all, the idea that God is king, it's all through the Bible. I mean, we're talking, it, it starts in Genesis, it goes all the way through to Revelation. God as king and Jesus as king is all over Old Testament, New Testament. Clint Reedy, if you are not part of the daily scripture readings, this is something you might want to do if this is something you're interested in. He's picked out some great passages to be reading this week about Jesus as king and what that means. And so subscribe to the daily scripture readings. It will be a blessing for you. The writers of the New Testament, they certainly wanted us to see that Jesus is God's promised king. He has come to save his people from their sins, and he has brought justice by writing his law on our hearts. And the good news that Mark really wanted to share, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, is that God has come in the person of Jesus Christ. It's a true story that's still being told in Christmas and in the lives of those who he calls and the lives of those who follow him. He came once and he will come again. And until that happens, we join in Jesus' friend John 
who wrote in the book of Revelation. He says, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Would you please uh, just join me in a word of prayer? Our Father God, you are our, our great King and our Father. And you saved us from our sins through your Son, Jesus. And you write your justice on our hearts. And you invited us into your kingdom. Lead us, God, to trust you in the ways that Bartimaeus did and so many others who have come before us to trust you, to live into your kingdom, to share it with others. Father, we thank you for this season. It's a season to remember, God, that you did something amazing, but your work is not yet finished and you invite us into that work. God, I pray that we would have courage to join you and courage to cry out to you like Bartimaeus did. Some of us in the room today, we, we need to cry out to say, God, show us your mercy. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this season, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you.